GLC presents a Studio B production brought to you by the donations of our faithful partners. Hello, glad you could join me today. Today we're going to be talking about something that maybe you've never really thought about, heard a sermon about, but we're going to talk about the negative emotions of Jesus. When you think of the Lord, don't you always think peaceful, powerful, kind, caring? I do too. But you know there's another side to Jesus. He had negative emotions and they weren't wrong. Everything he did, he did the right way. He knew how to handle his negative emotions. Do you? Maybe you're a person that has a real problem with anger, explosive anger. In fact, I believe I have a word from the Lord right now. There's a man, and there's a woman, and there's a teenage boy. All three of you have a difficult time dealing with anger. It gets a hold of you, and before you know it, you're totally out of control. And the, the Lord's word to you today is, I have help for that. If you will turn to me and let me touch you, you will be different. Also, you need to remember the devil's angry. And he loves to incite people into anger. So you have to be really careful that you don't fail to recognize you have an enemy. And he doesn't like you. And he's going to do whatever it takes to incite you to lose it and maybe lose your life. I knew a man, I met a man one time who had just gotten out of prison. And I said, well, what were you in there for? Because I wasn't judging him, I just wanted to know. He said, I was in there for murder. I thought, oh, great. I said, really? He said, yes. I got into an argument over a $5 bottle of beer or five, I don't know, maybe 50 cent bottle of beer. It was something very cheap. So that guy made me so mad, I took a knife and I killed him. I said, how long were you in prison? 15 years. So that's a pretty expensive price to pay, wasn't it? For having that kind of anger. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. The anger that just gets out of control. Another negative emotion people have is self-pity. And people can get to feeling like, my life is always bad, nobody cares about me, nothing ever goes right for me, everything's bad, 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 poor me, poor me, poor me. That's a very negative emotion. And it will pull you down deeper and deeper. And it's hard to get out of it. It's like a quicksand. That pulls you down. Another negative emotion is jealousy. God says, I'm a jealous God. You can't have any gods before me. So what we consider a negative emotion, jealousy, God says, I'm that way. But I want to explain the difference to you. As a human, it's possible for you to be so insecure that you feel very, very jealous if anything in your life is threatened. If somebody does better than you, you're afraid you're... A uh, mate is going to leave you to the point that you just uh, keep their life so 
tightly wrapped up that they can't breathe. That's not what God's talking about when he says, I'm a jealous God. He cares that he is first in your life. He doesn't want you having anything more important to you than him. And so he's jealous over it, and he'll watch out, and he'll stop things from happening till you get your priorities right. So a negative emotion of jealousy in God's side is seen another way. Well, let's look at Jesus. We look at Jesus, and many people who haven't really studied him very much say, Oh, what a wimp. He... He really just let everybody walk all over him. He could have stood up for himself on the cross. He didn't. In fact, the thief on the cross said that to him. He said, and, and these were thieves. These were people who had lived bad lives. They, were, they had made good choices. They had done wrong with their lives, and they were hardened. And one of them looks at Jesus and goes, If you're the Son of God, help us. Get out. Come on, get us down from here. And many people think that about Jesus. But you know... Controlled emotion is one of the signs of the greatest strength you can have about yourself. What do you do with your negative emotions? What did Jesus do with his negative emotions? Jesus came to earth, you know, as a man. He was God, but he became a man. He took on the form of a servant in order to help us get to God. So if he was a man, he experienced every temptation we do. That's what it says in the Bible. No temptation has taken you that isn't common to man and that Jesus has not felt, but he dealt with it in the right way. Where do we see that Jesus had this broad range of emotions? Do you ever think about Jesus laughing? He did. Still does today. Jesus is alive today. Did you know that? He's not dead. He's alive. He's in me. He's in anybody that believes. He's at work in the world today, and he laughs. He has joy. He has peace. But also, he can have indignation, anger, sorrow. He can have um, almost a feeling of, come on, come on, come on. What are you waiting on? So Jesus had the same emotions that you and I do. But he learned how to express them without sinning. And that's what the lesson's about today. How did he do that? Who did Jesus get mad at? Did you ever think about why did he condemn the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and yet he didn't condemn sinners who were sinning openly? He said to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, I don't condemn you. Go and don't sin anymore. And yet he looked angrily at the religious leaders and said, okay, you can stone her, but the first one of you who does it has to be without sin yourself. So what is it that makes Jesus so angry, maybe angrier than anything else. I believe the Bible teaches it's hard-hearted, phony, religious acting, like a religious spirit, just not caring about people, 
not having compassion for people, not understanding that life is hard, and this is how the Pharisees were. They just wanted to keep those rules, but they didn't even keep them themselves. Jesus said that to them. You're putting all these demands on people, and you're not even keeping them. But they had that hard heart, and that is what made Jesus so angry. There's several occasions in the Bible that we can see where Jesus' anger almost consumed him, one main one. And that's when he was casting those money changers out of the temple. His zeal for God caused him to react in a violent way, surprising everybody. That doesn't sound like a wimp to me. Would you do something like that? I always laugh when I think about people saying Jesus was kind of weak because he was a carpenter. Have you ever known a carpenter that was a weak, a weakling? I haven't. They're all strong because they have to carry lumber. They have to uh, deal with heavy equipment. They're out dealing with people in hard situations. I've never met one like that. They're all very strong men. And Jesus was like that. Jesus had a way of taking his anger and let it inspire him to correct action. But he didn't just fly off the handle, go into that church, into that temple, and just start ripping everything up and throwing it out. There's no indication of that. He probably had thought about it. He had noticed it. It had made him angry. Probably prayed about it. Do you ever pray about your anger? Do you ever say, Lord, I am so angry over what has happened in my job or what they did to me or what somebody did to me or what somebody's doing to somebody else? I am so angry. Did you know you can go to God like that? What's your relationship with God like? Do you take your negative emotions and say, Lord, I know this is a negative emotion, but I know I'm supposed to come to you and tell you this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I would like to do. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. At the same time, when Jesus went into the temple, he had no regard for, hey, that's my income. Hey, that's my money. Hey, watch out. He didn't care. His zeal for God was consuming him, and he got a reputation for it. What a good reputation. He spoke the word to them. Do you do that in your anger? And I'm not talking about using anger as a way to harm people in an unrighteous, unjust way. I'm not talking about using the Word of God to beat people up. I'm talking about reminding people this is what God's Word says. This is unacceptable. Another time that Jesus had anger, and it is righteous anger, and there is a difference between regular anger and righteous anger, was when he healed the man with a withered hand. And I want to look that up, and I want us to look at it. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn uh, to Mark 3, 1 to 5, and see this example of when Jesus got so angry with human indifference. While in Capernaum, Jesus went over to the synagogue again. Now, you know he lived in Capernaum. That was one of the places he stayed. And he noticed a man there with a deformed hand. So here you have this hand 
that's all deformed, something's really bad. Maybe it was a birth defect. Maybe it was an accident. Something had happened and brought this kind of pain into the man's life. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies were watching him closely. See, that's that old religious spirit. Not caring about somebody's going to get healed, not rejoicing. Hey, watch what's getting ready to happen. They were watching Jesus, and they were just watching him closely. Would he heal the man's hand? If he did, they planned to arrest him. Oh, the indifference to human suffering, keeping rules, keeping doing what you think's right, doing your agenda, having your little plan, and all the while people are suffering and you're totally ignoring them. That's what they were doing. What did Jesus do? Did he go in the back and... No, Jesus did things up front, out in front of everybody. Jesus asked the man to come and stand in front of the congregation. Come up here, please. That's about what it would be like. Could you come up here, please? Then, turning to his enemies, he said, he asked them a question, actually. Is it all right to do kind deeds on the Sabbath? Or is this a day for doing harm? Is it a day to save lives or to destroy them? But they wouldn't answer him. And you know why, too. They didn't want to have to answer. And then this next verse, listen to it. Looking around at them angrily, for he was deeply disturbed by their indifference to human need. Now just picture in your mind. Come on up here. Ask them a question. They don't give the right answer. So angry. He still did the right thing. His anger did not cause him to lose control. He said to the man, Reach out your hand. Remember it's all crooked? He reached out his hand, still crooked. And instantly healed. So what did the Pharisees do? What did the religious leaders do? Did they repent and go, Oh, we were wrong to be angry. We were wrong. Oh, we were wrong, wrong, wrong. Hallelujah. The man is healed. Praise God. We've seen a miracle. Nope. It says, At once the Pharisees went away and met with the Herodians to discuss plans for killing Jesus. The Herodians were their enemies. Politics make strange bedfellers. I'm sure you've heard that. Well, that's what they did. Just indifferent to human need. Well, you could also say that uh, this indignation, this righteous indignation, this righteous anger, can even happen... And Jesus can feel it when believers who are, who are doing the right thing do the wrong thing. You can do that. You know, God's not a respecter of persons. Don't ever get to thinking, well, I'm serving God so he can't get mad at me. Well, he can if you don't do it right. Turn in your Bible to Mark 10, 14. 
Oh, here were these disciples trying to do it right, but just getting kind of caught up in what was important and what was not. And we can do that. As adults, we can do that. We can think, hmm, children can't hear God. Oh, yes, they can. God calls many, many people to their life's work when they're children because they have such simple hearts, just so pure and trusting. And that's how God wants us to be. It says, once when some mothers were bringing their children to Jesus to bless them, the disciples shooed them away and said, don't bother him. Don't bother him. Just He's busy. He's got work to do. Don't bother him. Get those kids out of here. But when Jesus saw what was happening, happening, the Bible says he was very much displeased with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come. Let them come to me. For the kingdom of God is made up of people like this. It belongs to people like this. Don't send them away. Now, I bet you never read that verse and read it like that. And then he chastised them. He said, I tell you as seriously as I know how, which is verily, verily. Anyone who refuses to come to God as a little child will never be allowed into his kingdom. So getting caught up in whatever it was they were caught up in, they were missing the whole point. They were missing it all. No wonder he got so displeased with them. Another time is when the disciples had unbelief. God doesn't want us to have unbelief. I know there's times it's hard to believe, especially when everything's going wrong. There's a man listening to the show right now. Your job has gone bad. Your marriage has gone bad. Your kids have gone bad. You feel so hopeless. You feel like it's never going to change. And this is the word from the Lord to you. Look up. Look up. Your redemption is coming. Look up. But back to these disciples. They're so like us, aren't they? Look in Matthew 17, 17. Actually, Jesus had just had a big thing happen, something highly unusual. Moses, who had been dead for thousands of years, Elijah, who had been dead for thousands of years, appeared on a mountain with him and talked to him about his upcoming death and what was going to happen. And that was a pretty big thing to have happen. Sometimes, right after you've had a really big high, you're not guarded enough, you're not protected enough, and something that can happen and you totally lose it. All your Christianity goes out the window. But even then, Jesus was in control of his anger, in control of his just getting fed up with him, just how long? And so it says, uh, when he, they arrived at the bottom of the hill, a huge crowd was waiting for him. A man came and knelt before Jesus, and he said, Sir, have mercy on my daughter, on my son, for he is mentally deranged. He has fits, and he's in great trouble. 
and he often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. And Jesus had already told them, you're going to be able to do everything I do. Just like he tells us, we can do everything. And Jesus replied, now I want you to think about that. When you're being challenged to step out in your faith and believe more than you've ever believed, believe things that are in the Bible that you've never believed in, God wants you to have faith and belief and trust. And according to this, you can get kind of fed up if you don't because he gives you every chance in the world. You gotta, at some point, you're just going to have to do it. Jesus replied, Oh, you stubborn, faithless people. Stubborn, faithless. How long shall I bear with you? How long? Basically, he was saying, how long do I have to put up with you? Bring him to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy. It was a demon, and it left him. Are there demons today? Absolutely. Absolutely. They haven't gone anywhere. They've always been, always will be, till they're all cast into the lake of fire at the very end. Left him, and from that moment, the boy was well. Now, here's an example of Jesus, instead of just losing it and reading them the riot act, which I bet he'd like to do. I'm sure he would. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast that demon out? Because of your little faith. If you just had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Have you ever seen how small that is? Tiny, tiny, tiny. And remember, the mustard seed grows into a tree so big it overshadows all the other trees when it gets big. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing would be impossible if you had this kind of faith. Oh, he was just so put out with them. So we've talked about him being angry. We've talked about him being indignant. Now we're going to talk about him being troubled and sad. It was when Lazarus died. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, and I bet you know what it is for. I even say it. Jesus wept. He cried. What did he cry about? Oh, there's a lot of sermons on what he did. Everybody's got an opinion on it. I believe that he just loved them so much. He was sad that they were sad, and he was crying. Then some people say he was crying because they didn't get it. He was the resurrection. He was the life. Anybody that believed in him would live forever. And why weren't they understanding that, accepting that, moving into that? But he became very troubled. That is a negative emotion. Here's one worse than any of them. He had profound grief and sorrow. One thing that made him sad, and you can't say he was depressed because I know the Lord didn't get depressed, but it was right before he was crucified and he looked at Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I've wanted to gather you like a woman, a, a mother hen gathers her chickens, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't do it. And so he had grief and sorrow. Another was he had it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was just like, oh, Lord, oh, God, oh, God, if I don't have to go over the, through this, if there's any way to stop it, Lord, please help me. 
So how do you control your emotions? Pray. Pray ahead of time. Lord, you know I have a problem with anger. You don't have a problem with depression. You don't have a problem with just getting indignant when things aren't right. Lord, you know, even my grief gets out of control. Lord, prepare me. A man taught me something one time that was so wise. He said, when you know you're getting ready to lose it in a situation, back up and put a flag in your mind. Okay, when this flag pops up, I'm getting ready to lose it. And it will keep you from going all the whole distance and losing it. The little flag will. That's helped me so much. It was one of my pastors taught me that. But how do you learn to control your negative emotions God's way? First of all, you don't deny that you have them. You go to the Lord and you're very honest and say, I'm so angry, I'm so depressed, I'm so frustrated. Don't deny it, you got it. And denying it doesn't help you deal with it. But go to the Lord first and tell him how you feel. I, the second thing is identify them clearly. What is it you're really fearing, feeling? Are you basically feeling fear? Is that your root problem or anger? Maybe it's injustice that's making you so angry. Identify it. Know exactly what's going on. And then get God's godly wisdom and his power to help you. Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to lose it right now. I nearly had that happen one time. Somebody challenged me on my faith, and I knew the Bible was saying it was true. And this woman pushed me almost to the breaking point. I thought, Lord, if you don't help me, I'm going to slug her. And I'm not even a fighter. I've never even thought about fighting. But I'm telling you, people can push your buttons to the, the breaking point. But what do you do when you just go ahead and lose it? And you know you shouldn't have because you were tired or so worried or so frustrated. Go to God and say, Lord, I did it again. I know that you had the emotions I have. I know you conquered them. I'm not conquering mine, Lord. I'm back again. Help me again. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. If this lesson has touched you, just close your eyes and say this. Lord, I want to conquer these negative emotions, especially self-pity. Lord, help me, Jesus. You're the only one. If you don't know him, say, come into my heart and change my life. Jesus, I need you for everything. God bless you. I hope you have a great day. Hello, I'm Betty Swan with Betty Swan Ministries. I'm so glad you've been watching this show. A lot of you have told me you are. I hope that you tell your friends. I hope you grow in the Lord from watching this show. You know, when you make donations to GLC, you make a great contribution to the kingdom of God. These people really care about you. I'm around them all the time. They're wonderful people. And you're doing a good thing when you support GLC. Also, don't forget about pennies from heaven Many, many of you have put money in Wells Fargo Bank, and it always has to be to the account of pennies from heaven, Amarillo, Texas. It has to say that. But you keep that up. The money has been going to Africa, Mexico. It's really feeding hungry people, so keep it up. You're just doing a great job. God bless you. This program was produced by and for God's Learning Channel. 
If you enjoy this program, we need your support to keep this program on GLC. Please make your checks out to God's Learning Channel, P.O. Box 61000, Midland, Texas 79711-1000. Please be sure to designate where your contribution is intended. It is very important to let GLC know which programs you enjoy and support.